Live from London, this is The Breakfast Show with James Clark on Teachers Talk Radio. Good morning, and dare I say it, have we officially entered into that countdown for Christmas? Because I must admit, it is definitely starting to feel that way. But don't panic though, if you've not quite gone into that Christmas spirit yet, as that's not the topic for today's show. Instead, I want to talk all about the important area of extremism, terrorism and prevent. How do you address it in your schools and what has your, been your experience in teaching Live the from London, this is The Breakfast Show with James Clark on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live on the Podbean app or desktop player. Just head over to www.podbean.com slash lsw slash TT Radio or search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Good morning, it's that time again. Wednesday morning, here will be James Clark on Teachers Talk Radio. How are you spending your Wednesday morning? Thank you for spending a little bit of it with us. Today's show, I'm joined by the fabulous uh, Sarah. A DSHCE teacher, coordinator, I should say, from Sandbank High, which is uh, amazing to have them along. Uh, Thank you so much for uh, joining us. And I know Sarah will be joining us later on in today's show as we discuss topics around extremism, uh, terrorism and prevent, which does not seem, if I'm being very honest, um, a very Wednesday morning kind of topic, you know, we people necessarily want to hear or talk about first thing in the morning, but it is a really important topic and that's why I wanted to address that today. Um, and we've got some really interesting articles that I've been looking at when trying to find some kind of content for this show. And there was a great one from The Guardian that came out recently. Now, I should stress at this point, there are lots of other um, news outlets available um, and news sources. So I'm just picking up on a few. Um, Oh, there we go. Just got a phone call from somebody at work. Wonderful. Um, So let's have a look at this first one, which is um, from The Guardian. And it says, 9-11, 20 years later. UK schools must teach about 9-11 terrorist attack, says experts. If teachers don't step in, pupils researching the topic themselves may fall prey to conspiracy theories. Now, I started reading this uh, and I started thinking, actually, this is quite interesting. You know, this is quite an interesting way to think and look at these sort of events. It says school children must be properly taught about the September 11 terrorist attacks to stop them from researching the event themselves and falling down dangerous rabbit holes 
of online conspiracy, said experts. If schools don't play a role, then other people with other agendas will try to sell their worldviews to young people. 9-11 brings out attention, said Jeremy Hayward, a researcher at the University College London, who recently authored a report on conspiracy theories in schools. For 20 years after the attacks, recent research from UCL shows that teachers lack the time, resources and training to properly teach pupils about the event and its consequences. Although 9-11 is often taught in citizenship classes, Hayward said some teachers are deterred by the sensitivities involved, especially given that the course is often not taught by subject specialists. History teachers, who are more likely to be appropriately trained, struggle to find time in an already packed curriculum. Now, that bit really struck me because I was thinking, actually, <coughs> why, why would a history teacher be any more, what's the word, trained or able or, or however we want to use the word to, to teach a subject more than any other area? And I thought, well, you know, history is so broad. <laughs> I was thinking about um, my school in terms of the history that they do and the things that they cover and having visited other schools and the history topics that they cover, you know, this is still quite modern history. You know, lots of schools are still covering us to talking about, you know, either things that happened a long time ago, which are of vital importance, you know, some of the massive historical figures throughout the years, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, um, Mother Teresa, you know, all of those uh, historical figures that are so important in history, let alone British history. But then we're also covering, you know, World War One, World War Two, and which are, again, I think just as important to discuss and talk about. So I, I do think there is some value here in saying, actually, where is the time and, and who's having these discussions? And it is so true because I don't know anybody else about anybody else. Apologies. But in my school and I think about the students that I work with. So many of them. The, what they see and find on the internet is is the truth. Um, that is gospel to them. You know, if it if TikTok says this happened, that's it. And I mean, the, the coronavirus and everything that's happening with lockdown and the conspiracy theories that were flying around then, you know, just prove just how important it is. You know, particularly as we know the expression of fake news is often thrown around. And so this made me think, actually, I hadn't ever considered, you know, terrorist attacks or acts of terrorism in that way before, that actually they do hold a lot of importance of being taught and discussed, particularly those of such large scale and, and that caused so much devastation, as we know 9-11 did and the attacks in, in London. Because actually students will go and research it and TikTokers will go and create their own content around it. And how are students able to navigate what is right and what is wrong or what is true and what is perhaps an exaggerated truth? The article goes on. Hayward warned that failing to teach pupils who are born after 2001 about the event leaves a gap in their knowledge. 
that other groups may feel. This is an important area to teach because it can be an opportunity to challenge, to see whether people are going down sometimes quite dangerous rabbit holes and maybe to act. Teaching about 9-11 is especially important at present. He added, given that conspiracy theories have risen in popularity among pupils during the pandemic, particularly those related to QAnon, a wide-ranging movement that subscribes to the ideas that the attacks were a government plot. The extent to which 9-11 is taught in schools is not fully understood since no data gathered. The event is not a mandatory part of the compulsory social, sorry, compulsory school history curriculum, which many secondaries are not obliged to follow since most are academies. The main set of resources on 9-11 for teachers is produced by a charity since 9-11, which reported that its free workshops were downloaded 10,000 times last year, which might sound a lot. You know, 10,000 sounds absolutely huge. But that's not really massive at all when we look at the comparison of what we have in school numbers across the UK alone. And often within one singular school, you know, I've definitely downloaded the same, <laughs> the same resources that, you know, half the department have. So, you know, that's not even saying that's 10,000 individual, you know, institutions or schools or academies or however we, we want to use the term there. That's just saying it's been downloaded 10,000 times. And so actually that is probably true in what they're saying that, you know, this isn't being discussed. This isn't being talked about. And I, I'll talk about an article later on that actually um, was, was created by the PSHE Association around talking about uh, or responding to um, acts of terrorism, terrorist attacks, extremist attacks um, at primary level and how you hold those conversations um, with a primary school. Because the, what I'm going to ask Sarah later on in today's show and, and what I ask everybody else out there now is, you know, when is the right time? And, Every time I've done a, a, a podcast, radio show, talk uh, around PSHE, you know, so often the topics come up and I always say, you know, when is the right time? Um, and I think there is never a right or wrong time. It's about doing what is right for your school, what is right for your location, what is right for your pupils, the demographic of pupils that you work with in the area that you're in. But everybody needs to get this message somewhere and somehow. And it might be that certain messages come before others, you know, whether that's, um, you know, on, on a scale of, you know, drugs or drink or whether we're talking about extremism, um, gang violence, knife crime, you know. Every young person needs to be taught those topics. They just might appear in a different order. But how do people decide that order is the question. The article goes on a little bit more and it says since 9-11 founder Peter Rosenberg believes the charity's research showed that 9-11 is a topic many young people rarely discuss in school but are very much interested in. While teachers say they need training, more time and they want resources. He said some teachers are concerned about what they perceive as difficult or controversial subjects and don't feel they are marginalising some pupils their class. He added that extra support from the government, which endorses since 9-11's resources, would certainly help. 
Alison Kitson, Associate Professor in History Education at UCL, said it was especially important that 9-11 is included on the history curriculum since, like the climate crisis or decolonization, the subject of extremism is an issue of contemporary significance. Classrooms are an important space in which to have informed and research discussions and reasons discussions about such topics, she said. This line, for me, you know, it, uh, it's an issue of contemporary significance. I just think there's so much, <laughs> there is so many things that are of contemporary um, significance to young people. Um, but do we, I guess the question is, do we, and, and I, I throw this out to everybody that listens to this either live or listens back, you know, do we equally balance out these subjects of, to use the phrase there, contemporary significance, or do we home in on the one that is the, the buzzword or the buzz topic at that moment? that we then forget about the past and the ones that were the craze to focus in on what is the craze now. And arguably there is, you know, a reason for that and a reason for that to happen. But I think of it like school crazes. One point it was the fidget spinner. Um, it was Pokemon cards at one point. When I was at school, we used to have Beyblades. Um, what else? Do we, oh, Neopets, Nanopets, Tamagotchis. That, oh, I used to love my Tamagotchi. You know, the dab. Dabbing was a thing. Flossing was a thing. And now we've got these pop things. I don't know what they're called. The things you pop, which I, I get they're really satisfying, but gosh, are they annoying in a classroom. I don't know about anybody else that's had them. And you can just hear in the back of a class a, a pop of these plastic things. Um, but that's the same thing. You know, they are a craze. There's something that's come in, it goes out, things change, something new comes in, that goes out, something new comes in. And actually, once they're gone, then once they're no longer in a craze, no one ever speaks about them, no one ever talks about them. They're just like, oh, now and again, you'll reminisce. You'll think, oh, do you remember that time we played Yu-Gi-Oh? 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 Yu-Gi-Oh, I think it was. Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Or do you remember that time we swapped Pokemon cards for a ham sandwich or whatever it is, you know? So we reminisce. And I think that's exactly the same with these contemporary topics now. You know, it, a lot has happened around social media. So that's a big buzzword and topic now. A lot has happened around um, TikTok. You know, we focus on TikTok. We look at social media trends, Snapchat. You know, even Instagram, I say, is becoming less and less than what it was before. So it's okay to say, you know, it is an issue of contemporary significance, but there is so much that are issues of contemporary significance that we need to make sure as a school, as an education, as a system, each are getting equal balance so that we're not going full circle with these things and coming back to talk about them again, because actually they weren't talked about for five years and now we realise it's a problem again. However, this goes on and it goes, however, she warned that teachers are held back by the lack of government funding, subject-specific professional development resources. She said schools don't have spare money, but to make an entitlement 
in time, money, or preferably both, and support subject associations, which are often run on a shoestring to really support teachers. That would be amazing. The Department for Education spokesman said, we provide over 150 resources on the Education Against Hate website to help teachers and parents tackle radicalization in all its forms, including a pack on the events of 9-11 itself developed alongside since 9-11. Schools are required to actively promote fundamental British values, including democracy, rule of law, mutual respect and tolerance. The upcoming anniversary of 9-11 provides opportunity for teaching on those issues as part of the school curriculum, such as citizenship or history or during school assemblies. Now that bit at the end is, uh, choice of words are interesting. Because British values, is, that's another one probably for another day and another topic because I, I kind of sit on the fence with them. I get them, but I, it's another thing to discuss and talk about. And I get the importance of them, of course. But what I'm reading into it there, the way the DfE have, have said that is basically, oh, just shoehorn 9-11 in with British values when you talk about those. And I, I will admit, and I will say this to anybody that listens back, you know, the Education Against Hate website is a really good place to start. And I would recommend um, looking on that website for resources. It's got absolutely loads. And um, you've got to navigate your way through as you do with any of these things, but it is a really great place to start. And if you are just joining us or if you are listening back to this um, and you want to find out more, then I would say start there, but also Stay tuned and listen out for the other recommendations or resources we'll be discussing uh, throughout today's show. And don't forget that all these shows are available afterwards. You can just search uh, Teachers Talk Radio on the Podbeam app or on the website, however you wish to access it. That is your choice. Um, and also by going onto Spotify and Apple Podcasts, um, just search Teachers Talk Radio and you will find us there and all the shows that are there. Um, of which there are absolutely loads of amazing shows happening today. So I would really encourage you to have a look at those um, and tune in whenever you like, because there are shows happening nearly all the time. I'm just having a look now um, at the shows that are up and coming today for you. You've got the fantastic, here we go, fantastic at, uh, let's have a look, four o'clock, we've got a show, six o'clock, we've got a show, eight o'clock, we've got a show, so, you know, what else are you doing? You finish school, you finish school, 3.30, 4 o'clock. Then you've got Teachers Talk Radio from 4 till about 9 o'clock. What else do you need in your day? That's it. It's going to take a short break now, though, as I play you your news and a short advert from our sponsors. This is Teachers Talk Radio. And this is Teachers Talk Radio News. This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn.
A new documentary will follow primary and secondary schools in Nepal and Scotland as they join forces to learn from each other and tackle climate change. Interfilm Scotland and Chapromo Studios in Nepal will film the documentary which will focus on the experiences which each have had of climate change using an interdisciplinary approach. Students are conducting research by testing air and water pollution, CO2 levels, temperature and rainfall, as well as undertaking litter analysis and assessing biodiversity. Acting principal teacher at Stobhill Primary in Midlothian, Donna Hanley said, the project enabled pupils to learn about climate change in a real life context. She said, with COP26, it is imperative that we make use of the Connecting the Climate Challenge programme and maintain this momentum to build on people's understanding and motivation to protect our planet for our future generations. Retired teacher Carolyn Coster from Bradford is taking her dog, who has been assessed by the charity Pets as Therapy, into schools to help children with their reading. The head teacher of Mepershall Academy said it has been amazing having Mrs Coster and Duke into school. She said, Lots of children struggle with reading. It's very difficult for them to read in front of people, but for some reason when they read to the dog, all that stress is taken away from them and it really supports them with their learning. Mrs Coster lost her hands and feet after Covid led to sepsis in March 2020. This has been your daily education news briefing. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Good morning and welcome back to Teachers Talk Radio with me, James Clark, on your Wednesday morning breakfast show. Today we've been discussing uh, extremism, terrorism, and we'll be talking about prevent as well. And later on, I'll be joined by the fabulous Sarah on the show live. Don't forget though that you can join in with the show by the popping my app on Twitter, or Facebook, and Instagram. Search hashtag TT Radio. Or 
or indeed you can engage with the conversation live through the Podbean Live app. And did I mention that we also have a giveaway taking place? Just head on over to the can't pronounce my words today. Gosh, it's so early. Um, just head over to Teach Talk Radio Twitter at TT Radio 2021 and you'll find the pinned tweet there. They are giving away all six of at Kate Jones um, books, who is one of our radio hosts and also a fantastic author. I mean, I just think how lucky am I to be on the same platform as some incredible uh, people such as Kate Jones who has got loads of amazing books. So for a chance to win, uh, all you need to do is retweet that tweet and make sure you are following us if you are not already. Deadline is Sunday the 21st November at 12pm GMT and time and Kate will announce the winner. Some of the books you're going to win there, I'm just looking at them now, Retrieval Practice, Resource Guide, uh, Love to Teach, Research and Resources, uh, Retrieval Practice 1 and 2, um, 5 Formative Assessment Strategies in Action, and The Teaching Life. I mean, what a fantastic, you know, for your own personal use, but also Christmas, uh, you know, bring on the Secret Santa at work. Uh, but do make sure you are getting involved in that. And don't forget to ensure that you are following us, even if you are not yet. Um, or, or not thinking about taking part in the competition, which I'm thinking, why wouldn't you want to do that? But make sure you are following us. I um, can't believe nearly at 10,000, which is slightly mad. So nearly at 10,000 uh, followers on Twitter. So make sure you help us get to that number and, of course, get beyond that number. You can as well join us to become a radio host. They are always looking for new radio hosts. So you can do that by simply going on to the website ttradio.org. That was me multitasking, by the way. Really can't multitask. I paused to, re- to read something and then I sort of stumbled. So yes, sorry, radio host. Oh gosh. Do you know what? I said to myself this morning, James, you're doing really well today. You got up, I got in school in time. I was in school by half six. I was set up, you know, had my coffee, had a pound of chocolate a nice banana, and honestly, it's gone downhill. I'm recovering from my throat, um, this cold that's gone around. I think everybody's got it at the moment. But anyway, um, enough of me. Uh, let's talk about one of the other shows that are coming up um, at Lesson Copy. It has got a fantastic show coming up later today. Highly recommend you go on to that. And they posted a question um, on tonight at TT Radio 2021 Twilight Show. Um, I'm discussing computing. So which are you? Are you a confident coder? Are you okay with office? Worried even with Word or turn it on and off again? Now, I always think when it comes to computing, I'm all right at it and I know it. (laughs) And then I meet somebody that actually knows about computing. And then I'm like, no, no idea. So I'm going to answer this now. And I'm definitely um, not confident with coding. Um, I'm all right with Orange. I could do office. um, But I'm glad I can't do these really fancy things when it comes to spreadsheet so for now i'm just gonna go i'm okay with office um, which are now the majority 55 percent say they're okay with office 27 percent saying they're confident coding um, no one's saying they're worried about words um and 18 percent would say they're a turn it off and off again kind of person which 
to be fair, the IT department do that here and it seems to work all the time. So there we go. Make sure you get involved in that as well. And you can find that uh, by going to the at TT Radio 2021 uh, Twitter page or going straight to at Lesson Copies, um, Nathan's uh, Twitter page at Lesson Copy. Or indeed, you can find now mine at Jam Clark, J-A-M-C-L-A-R 96. So that's loads of the amazing shows that are coming up today. Do make sure you tune into those. And today's show, however, one Wednesday morning breakfast show has been exploring and talking about extremism, terrorism and prevent. <clears throat> one thing that I want to look at now is uh, a resource that was given out by the PSHE Association. And it was uh, discussing a terrorist attack with children in the primary phases. Now, I thought this was really interesting. Uh, I don't work in primary. I'm a secondary school-based teacher and also a sixth form college attached. So, uh, you know, I would never really ever go and look for primary resources. Um, And so perhaps this isn't a surprise for those in primary. But personally, I thought um, it was quite surprising. Um, I didn't think this kind of thing existed. Um, But looking at this, it's really interesting to go through this and sort of look at some of the practical tips that it offers and advises to different uh, people based who might work in primary. So some of the practical tips. um, First practical tip number one is offer reassurance. Uh, Children, especially younger ones, may be afraid that a similar attack will happen to them or to their friends and family. It is important to reassure them from the outset of discussion that such attacks are very rare. And although it is possible, it is highly unlikely that something like this will happen to them or to anyone they know. Step two, under the practical tips, is the following. It says, encourage questions and answer them honestly. Younger children are naturally curious and may arrive in school after hearing about a terrorist event full of questions and theories about what they've seen or heard. To ignore, dismiss or not answer these questions is to prevent that nothing has happened. can be counterproductive. It's important to answer children's questions honestly and in an age-appropriate way in order to allay possible fears, but also to ensure that children are clear about separating basic facts about an ent- event from speculation, rumour or untruths. And this is so true because there are lots of situations that I know and that I've been in with teachers, um, students, you know, all of the, all of the above where, you know, something has happened and you go to talk about it or someone mentions it and then actually suddenly they go, oh, no, 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 let's not talk about this because, you know, I don't know enough. It's not my place or blah, 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 blah. And that's fine to an extent. You know, that's fine to go, actually, this is not my subject area. I don't quite know what it is. Um, I don't know uh, enough about it. But to simply ignore it and do nothing isn't okay. And I think that's where we have to draw the line. And that's where we need to make sure that we are you know, being honest with these questions. Because if we ignore it, what are they going to do? Are they going to simply go, oh, that's fine. Teacher says to leave it and ignore it. I'll just ignore it. I can't imagine the vast majority of students ever doing that. They'll simply go and search it on Google. Uh, other search engines available, of course. Um, but they'll simply go and search it on something like Google. And 
you know, suddenly they're finding their own answers. They're making their own assumptions. They're finding their own navigation and so forth. And that's not to say that every single resource out there is deadly and awful and, you know, worst thing on earth. But we have to be realistic that actually there is lots of untruths and many students are not going to look at five, six different sources and judge and assess them. They're going to look at the first one that comes up and that one that comes up might not be the one that is best for them or for them to be directed to. One of the other facts it says is clarify the facts. Starting a discussion about a terrorist attack could be broadly structured under these three questions. And although I think this is set out as a, as a primary document, I think this is a fantastic way to really open up the conversation um, with anyone um, of, of any age group and also not just young people and students, but also adults and potentially teachers as well. If we're responding to the events and, and we need to have a, a staff discussion about it beforehand, particularly if it's a localised event, I think this is a really great way to, to start. The three questions are, um, what exactly has happened? What is happening now? And how do we know? So I think those three questions really summarise what it is that you really want to break down and when events happen and when things you know uh, taking the terrorism and extremism side of it to one side for a moment and just homing and focusing in on this idea that um we're talking about um uh, something happening in the playground uh, a fight kicking off um a disagreement, a dispute, whatever it might be, you know, in that moment, it's so heated. There's so much emotion happening. You know, there's all the dramas there. She said this, he did that, they did that, da 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 da, da back and forth. And there's so many questions that actually either get asked or haven't been answered or get answered but not in the right way that we just need to structure that conversation and in the same way we would structure a conversation when there's you know a disagreement or we just have that same approach in clarifying the facts when it comes to uh, a terrorist or extremist attack it's important to help children separate the basic facts that are known for example a bomb that has exploded in the city, people were injured and killed, from inaccurate or speculative interpretations. Make sure you are clear of the difference between factual information, speculation and rumour in your responses to their questions and to call out absolute untruths. You can start off by giving examples of fact, speculation, and rumour that might happen everyday things we know and things we can't be sure of, before moving discussion onto what has happened. You can also help children recognise the language of fact, speculation and rumour so they know or come to a less confusing understanding about an event. And again, you know, it's breaking down that language. And what, the great thing about this resource is, um, <clears throat> apologies, is looking at this resource you know, we've got, it breaks down that terminology of actually, what do we mean when we say factual information? What do we mean when we say speculation? And what do we mean when we say rumour? So factual information, you know, we don't know for sure what happened, who did it or why did it yet. 
All we know for sure is uh, terrorist acts are often confusing. It may take a long time for investigators to find out what really happened. News from sources we trust, such as the BBC, will report the facts when they get them. So it's about using language such as we know that and the government, the police, the BBC, a trusted source has confirmed. TikTok, as I say to my year 10s, is not a trusted source. If I had a pound for every time that someone had said to me, but sir, TikTok said this, or have you seen on TikTok about this? I mean, the whole vaccine palaver uh, and the awful things that were being spread and sent purposefully on sources such as um, TikTok was just uh, mind-boggling, uh, particularly as well when you look at things like Twitter and you look at grown adults and, and the conspiracies and the things that were being spread there. It's just madness. But there we go. That's the world we live in. And I'm going to go speculation what that means. And speculation means putting together lots of people's ideas or experience of an event and making a kind of guess about what happened. The people making those guesses don't have any more facts than we do. So their speculation might be wrong. Speculation can change sometimes very quickly. Anyone can speculate on what happened, even if they weren't there. You or your friends might have your own speculation, does it? but it doesn't mean that they are true. It is very hard to understand why some people do such awful things. We can speculate about why this event happened, but we cannot know for sure. Sometimes people make up their own speculation because they wish to convince us to believe something that they think is true. The language you might use here are, it seems, or appears, or we think. The story we put together is, a witness says. And then finally, we look at rumour. A rumour is a story about an event that might not be true at all. Each time someone re repeats it, it changes a little. And you don't know which bits are true, which bits are based on truth, and which are made up. People might read rumours on social media and spread them among their friends. Rumours can spread and change very quickly this way. Even if lots of people... might use. Apparently, I heard that. My mum's friend, auntie, says. Her dad said, I read on Facebook. Children of this age will see parents, older siblings or other adult family members as sources of absolute authority. It is important to emphasise what facts are known about an attack rather than commenting directly on or be seen to be judging. And mum says, da da da. And those three words, you know, breaking down factual information, speculation, and rumour, again, is so important. And, you know, although this resource was made for primary, it's so applicable outside of that. And, and there's, lots, there's a couple more that, um, suggestions of uh, ways to tackle or talk about um, practical tips to talk about um, terrorism that we'll explore just shortly after. We have a quick news break for you. 
This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. A new documentary will follow primary and secondary schools in Nepal and Scotland as they join forces to learn from each other and tackle climate change. Interfilm Scotland and Chapromo Studios in Nepal will film the documentary which will focus on the experiences which each have had of climate change using an interdisciplinary approach. Students are conducting research by testing air and water pollution, CO2 levels, temperature and rainfall, as well as undertaking litter analysis and assessing biodiversity. Acting Principal Teacher at Stob Hill Primary in Midlothian, Donna Hanley said, the project enabled pupils to learn about climate change in a real life context. She said, with COP26, it is imperative that we make use of the Connecting the Climate Challenge programme and maintain this momentum to build on people's understanding and motivation to protect our planet for our future generations. Retired teacher Carolyn Coster from Bradford is taking her dog, who has been assessed by the charity Pets as Therapy, into schools to help children with their reading. The head teacher of Mepershall Academy said it has been amazing having Mrs Coster and Duke into school. She said, Lots of children struggle with reading. It's very difficult for them to read in front of people. But for some reason, when they read to the dog, all that stress is taken away from them and it really supports them with their learning. Mrs Coster lost her hands and feet after Covid led to sepsis in March 2020. This has been your daily education news briefing. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford needs support with your phonics. Did you know? well quickly using phonics books you may already have in your classroom developed by the knowledge English hub it's a school's phonics needs oxford has the solution oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics
Bonjour, ça va? Hello, welcome to your Wednesday morning breakfast show with me, James Clark, here on Teachers Talk Radio. It's absolutely fantastic to be back here with you on this, well, semi-sunny kind of morning. Very soon, I'm going to be joined by Sarah, PSHCE coordinator. Don't forget about the competition running on the Twitter page for Teachers Talk Radio. Win yourself those books. And of course, why not join us as a host on Teachers Talk Radio? Go on, why not? And of course, make sure you're tuning in to all the shows happening across the week, including the ones happening today from 4 o'clock till 9 o'clock. Um, just going to finish up very quickly um, before we go into the final um, section of, of this uh, discussion. Before hopefully around 8 o'clock, I'll be joined by my first um, host, uh, co-host, guest. That's the word. Guest this evening, Sarah, who is a PSHE uh, coordinator at a school um, in Sandbrook High, I believe. Um, although I always learn, I say these things and I say these places and I end up getting the names completely wrong or pronouncing them completely wrong. Um, so I just wanted to touch on now looking at um, the final part of this discussing a terrorist attack with primary children and, and then looking at the prevent element of this discussion. <coughs> and just so I said that as well, I've got a fantastic uh, post uh, or looking at some fantastic follow, some likes from uh, somebody called Sean um, Abadant on Twitter who is the Leicestershire Prevent Coordinator and was a former police detective. There we go. Um, the last kind of things on these forms are, are to allow children to talk about their feelings. You know, feelings can be explored by asking questions such as the following. You know, how do we feel about what has happened? You know, do we all have the same feelings about what has happened or are our feelings different? What kind of things might affect our feelings or make them worse or better? So family, media. Uh, other attitudes, values, etc. Providing a worry or question box is a good way for children uh, to ask questions anonymously or to submit a question which might come up later on. And it can also help you to prepare answers to tricky or sensitive questions ahead of a discussion on a PSHE lesson. Some children may express, uh, and the last, uh, sorry, the, the last one on this, is also encourage community cohesion. Some children may express divisive feelings such as uh, blame, not just of the perpetrators of the terrorist act, but of the group or community from which they came from, on whose or on whose behalf they claim to have acted on. There may also be children of class and of school from these groups who might be afraid of others' reaction towards them. It is vital to reassure any children from particular faith or community groups that they are valued and an important part of the school community and to remind all children of the school's attitude towards behaviours such as bullying or racism. 
You can challenge decisive thinking by helping children to recognize the dangers of stereotyping whole groups based on the actions of a number of small individuals. The discussion could include within a wider PSHE context, looking at issues of diversity, community and stereotyping. Now, what I love about this document is we looked previously at a, the document, uh, the article by The Guardian and the DfE and some places there talking about the role of a history teacher in teaching these subjects and putting it into the curriculum. Yet here we have uh, an argument because it is an association, you know, PSHQ association saying actually these topics need to be explored within a wider PSHE context or lessons, particularly around stero uh, stereo stereotypes um, and the protected characteristics, which again, you know, this is why it, it needs the time and the space. It can't be a one-off knee-jerk reaction lesson because something has happened. Um, this is a great um, foundation to help support you in starting those conversations, but it's got to be more than just that one lesson. The final thing this uh, document goes on to talk about is other things your school can do. So obviously, you know, make sure we don't forget the basics, time-pacing sources of support. Um, some schools might find a reflection helpful, so it might be a minute's silence at a certain time of the day, lighting a candle or playing music or having written prayers or non-religious reflections at the start to an assembly, creating a remembrance book or a school display, holding a fundraiser for a relevant charity, acting on what is being happening rather than just talking about it, because if, as I'm sure lots of school students are anything like mine they want to respond they want to have their voices heard and they want to do something you know of course we have to talk about it and we have to understand the event and and what's happening but actually they want to act on it and make a difference so that resource that i've gone through there is called discussing a terrorist attack with children in the primary phrases phases sorry uh, by the PSHE association it came out in 2015 um, but I think still massively relevant today um, in the same way it was when it was put out, sorry, in 2017, not 2015, 2017. The final part I want to look at um, in a moment before hopefully Sarah joins me at around 8 o'clock today is looking at the prevent strategy and the prevent duty, uh, which is, prevent is possibly one of those things that a little bit like British values, I get, but I do also sit slightly on the fence with, not because I'm against, of course, what it stands for, but the way it's worded sometimes and the things, what's the way to describe, the way it's worded and the things it implies does worry me in, in some aspects. But let's talk about that more after we have a little bit of a music interview for you and for you to grab a time, or have time to grab a drink or anything else you wish. Um, just as I said that, my whole pile of papers has just fallen on my desk. I'm sat at my desk at work, and you know when you say to yourself, look, I really must tidy this up. Um, that, to me, was just a hint, as about 20 scripts uh, just landed all on me. So while I tidy this up and you grab a drink, it's a short music interview, and we'll come back to talk about the prevent duty very, very soon. Don't go anywhere.
Okay, good news. I managed to um, clear my desk of my papers. So that is <laughs> always a good sign. Um, looking now kind of then at the final part of, of today's uh, session before hopefully I'm joined uh, in the next sort of 10 minutes or so by Sarah, is looking at the prevent duty. Um, so this is a department advice from, I'm reading this directly from a document for you. Um, this is the department advice from the Department for Education. Uh, this advice is non-statutory and has been produced to help recipients understand the implications of the prevent duty. The prevent duty is a duty in the Counterterrorism and Security Act 20 on specified authorities in the exercise of their functions to have due regard to the need to prevent people from being drawn into terrorism. So this advice that we're going through now is for governing bodies, school leaders, school staff, management committees and staff, and people refer units uh, and manager staff in registered childcare settings. Now, hopefully, you know, this is something that as educators in the UK, um, we've all probably heard and, um, you know, we should have heard and had uh, discussions, training, d talks, reminders, document reading, all of the above on prevent uh, many many times as i'm sure lots of us have but the main points of the whole having this advice and having this prevent duty in place is the following three points is to explain what the prevent duty means for schools and childcare providers make clear what school and childcare providers should do to demonstrate compliance with the duty and inform schools and childcare providers about other sources of information, advice, and support. In order for schools to provide, uh, schools and apologies, in order for schools and childcare providers to fulfil the prevent duty, it's essential that staff are able to identify. I hate some of this wording. I really do. I don't know why. It just uh, the wording just always makes me cringe a little bit. Um, able to identify children who may be vulnerable to radicalization and know what we need to do when they are identified. Protecting children from the risk of radicalization should be seen as part of the schools and childcare providers wider safeguarding duties and is similar in nature to protecting children from other harms, e.g. drugs, gangs, neglect and sexual exploitation. Whether these come from within their family or are the product of outside influences. Schools and childcare providers can also build children's resilience to radicalization by promoting, again, this word comes up, here we go, British values and enabling them to challenge extremist views. It is important to emphasize that the prevent duty is not intended to stop pupils debating controversial issues. On the contrary, schools should provide a safe space in which children, young people and staff can understand the risks associated with terrorism and develop the knowledge and skills to be able to challenge extremist arguments. For early year child providers, uh, development and care of children from DID 5, thereby assisting their personal, social and emotional development understanding of the work. And this goes on, this whole sort of document around it. And whenever I sort of read it and whenever I sort of look at it, I, I just always think, gosh, you know, it's, 
it's so difficult to really underpin or understand or effectively, I believe, look at the prevent duty that we have as school and, and child coach cages and get it right. Now, I remember there was, uh, again, this is probably the one that is said in every single <laughs> prevent training up and down the country, but there was a pupil in a primary school who was writing and drawing a picture and on the picture he was drawing, you know, it was his house and he was writing uh, the terrorist house on the picture. And of course that got reported by the teacher and it turned out that they weren't trying to write the terrorist house, they were trying to write the terrorist house as in the type of house of which it was. And it, and, and, and points like that get me thinking because gosh like part of me goes absolutely that is something which 100% should get reported should get said because you never know you've got to cover your backs etc etc and then part of me goes you know have we lost a little bit of the common sense you know have we lost and I think this is why you know, going back early and we're talking about extremism and terrorism and this article by The Guardian that says, you know, schools need to do more because obviously we've got plenty of time and plenty of space and nothing else to do. Uh, and they're saying we've got to do all of this, but this is why people are so scared, I think, to almost talk about this subject or know the right way to talk about this subject, particularly when we start introducing this prevent strategy or prevent duty, as the document is called there. Because when comments like that are raised or said, where is that line of them being an open space where we're having these conversations so naturally these views might get heard? And then that line of being, okay, we have to report this and take this up. Because there have also been occasions where things haven't been reported. And I read it and, you know, we look at what happened and we, we look at the evidence that's there and you just kind of go, well, why did, why did nobody report it? You know, why did nobody, you know, get the police involved or, or the prevent team or, or safeguarding involved or anything like that? And it does make me think perhaps it's just not clear, you know, and is prevent arguably preventing us from having those open and much needed discussions around extremism, terrorism, and radicalization and that's a massive question <laughs> that's a massive kind of like even saying that now i'm like my goodness james where have we gone where have you gone with that what are you on about where you know there's probably lots of people going oh my goodness bit, bit heavy for a wednesday but it is important and you know if not a wednesday morning when because that's always an excuse of you know oh we can't do it this day because we've got these market exams we can't have a discussion then because we've got to cover this content and that's fine you know, there is lots of things in life that need to be covered in schools, but we also need to have these discussions and these places in which the conversations can take place. Because if they don't, then A, we're not going to be able to, I guess, spot them. Um, but also we're not going to be able to, going back to the PSHE Association um, guidance that they put here for talking about terrorist attack in primary phases, we, where else are we going to be able to clear the facts? You know, that faction, where are we going to get that faction information versus speculation versus rumour? You know, those three things. How are we going to be able to break that down 
if we don't create the space for those conversations to happen. So if you are interested in finding out more about the Prevent Duty, uh, do have a look at the Department for Education. Uh, there's a document there that called the, entitled the Prevent Duty uh, Department Advice for Schools and Childcare Providers uh, that came out in June 2015. So uh, do have a look at that if you are interested to find out more. Um, and do look at those other resources because it is super, super interesting to explore and I guess kind of understand our, our, our role of schools and, and how we tackle it. And that is the question that we're asking today, you know, is how do you as a school tackle these conversations or have these conversations in your setting? We always want to know. So do let me know via, of course, Bob Beam Live at ch- chat. Or on Twitter, searching hashtag TT Radio or at TT Radio 2021. Or of course, you can find my post as well at Jamclar96, J-A-M-C-L-A-R 96. Now, I'm very excited that shortly uh, I'm going to be joined. I can see that they are listening in. Um, so I'm going to be joined by the fantastic and wonderful uh, Sarah, who is... And now I've got to get this right because the problem is... <laughs> Every school has slightly different titles. So, for example, in my school, I'm the RSHE lead, which is Relationship, Sex, Health, Education lead. And in other schools, they're called Personal Development lead or, or Skills for Life lead or whatever it might be. So I've got uh, Sarah or Miss, and again, I get names wrong, Miss Mayley, who is joining us, who is a RS teacher and head of PSHCE um, at Sandback High, who's going to be calling in and, and joining me uh, very, very shortly, I believe. And we're going to be discussing what we've talked about all morning. Um, and that is discussing things ranging from how we talk about these ex- topics of extremism, terrorism and prevent in our schools. And, you know, when is the right time to talk about those? So as I let Sarah in, let's get the music going. My favourite song of the morning, bit of upbeat summer party while Sarah joins us. Okay, very shortly having Sarah joining in, just connecting now. Hello, can you hear me? Hello? Hello, hello. Hi. Oh, you've gone. Hello. Let me just unmute you again. Hello, Sarah. Hi, James. How are there you? Hello. I'm very good. It's always that, always that moment when you connect on me. You're like, is it going to work? Is it going to work? Fingers crossed. Oh, my gosh. I'm, <laughs> I'm good. good. How are you? Thank you so yeah. much for having me. It's really nice to chat to you. Yeah, no, thank you so much for being here. Um, and I guess kind of how is the morning going? How is it all? Have you all settled and ready for the day? 
Yeah, pretty good. I um, had a bit of a nightmare finding somewhere quiet in school to sit and chat to you. <laughs> but I found some, I booted someone else out of their office. I was like, I need you out of this office in two minutes. Quick, go, go, go. <laughs> That's always the way, you know, it's, trying to find anywhere is always impossible. Um, so I guess it's kind of, it's Wednesday morning. So uh, I always ask this question to everybody. Uh, dream breakfast, very important. Uh, what would it be for you? Oh, wow. I guess later on than 6.30 in the morning would definitely be a dream. Um, I don't know, a bottomless Prosecco brunch would always be a bonus. Oh, fantastic. Um, I, I mean, you can still do that at 6.30 in the morning, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that would be my dream. That would certainly yeah. make teaching more interesting. I think it would make the day much longer. <laughs> By the end, it? Um, amazing. Well, well, thank you so much. And obviously today uh, we've been talking about... Uh, extremism, terrorism, and, and kind of prevent is the topic of discussion. Um, in, in your kind of own words, how do you define those words of extremism, terrorism, and prevent? Because they are massive. They, you know, they entail so much, and they are topics and discussions that I think when I spoke to you, you know, a while ago when we were going to have this conversation, and, and I said it is a real topic a lot of people don't want to talk about because they don't quite know how to approach it or anything like that. So, you know, how do you define those words? Um, I guess for me, I mean, prevent is all about the duty we have as um, teachers, but also as a community to try and make our society safer and to make our young people that we're working with um, safer, happier, healthier, and both obviously mentally and physically. So I think prevent is all about that kind of, coming together as a community and raising awareness and understanding this I think that's another really important point of prevent mm. it shouldn't just be fear-mongering at all in fact quite the opposite mm. it should be raising awareness and promoting understanding and making sure that everybody is well educated and has a good grasp of a lot of things that get blown out of proportion within the media and are misrepresented in the media and are mis even reported in the media. And it's making sure that we all have a really good idea. And so it's preventing a whole manner of different things. So I think it's a really important in that sense. Um, extremism, I mean, obviously we go for the, the idea that it's um, an extreme um, interpretation or um, potentially even a very literal or even um, I would take it as far as to say an extreme misinterpretation mm. of um, different ideas and different um, trying to think of the right sort of description for this one in fact when I when I was sort of thinking about this when I thought extremism I mean there's obviously the dictionary definition that it's that sort of state of extreme mm. um, measures and views um, and it can be from a political stance or um I, I don't, as obviously an RS teacher, I tend to say that you know, the vast majority of extreme views when it comes to religion, more often than not, they are gross misinterpretations of mm. texts and ideas and ideals. And so that's what I, where I would go with that. And when it comes to terrorism, I mean, it is an act that wants to, it's done deliberately to promote terror and fear within a community. I, I mean, those are the, my definitions. Yeah, I mean, and they are all absolutely fantastic. And I think just just listening to you, sort of talking about them there and and hearing these definitions, it, I mean, where do we even start, kind of approaching these topics? And I know you, 
you teach this in your school. But, you know, do you wait to a particular year to start talking about some of these things or do you kind of approach it in different ways with different year groups? Or is it, you know, straight away from year seven, right, everybody in, here we go, here's what terrorism is, here's what extremism is, blah, 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 blah. Um, where do you start and how do you approach it? Um, so we start definitely with staff training. Um, I think that mm. staff having a good understanding themselves means that it can be drip fed into different lessons and different conversations because whilst yes I mean we do cover it in our PSHC curriculum um, and we do have standalone lessons in year eight and yeah. in year nine and in year 10 there are elements mentioned and then again in year 11 they're not standalone lessons but elements mentioned um, but I think one of the main aspects of ensuring that there's a well-rounded understanding is ensuring that the staff at the sort of, you know, they are the forefront. They understand. So if it comes up in conversation, they know how to work with it. They know how to discuss it within a classroom where the conversation is encouraged, where the conversation isn't shut down. And, you know, we can't talk about that. It's mass, mm, no, definitely. You know, at all. Every subject you know, it could come up and these conversations need to be had. We need to have discussions about these things. We can't shy away from them. So I, my sort of forefront would be, I do um, staff training. In fact, I've got um, staff training up coming up in January um, where we're focusing on prevent and terrorism and extremism. Um, and our sort of, the main focus of that particular training, whilst um, sort of looking at um sort of obviously extremist political um, views and etc but we are also touching on misogyny as a result mm. of the um, attacks in Plymouth obviously there are extremist views coming from that side of things now and the staff need to be aware of that because the children are talking about it the children are worrying about it so they need to understand and then obviously um, for me personally I teach religious studies and we cover um, Islam in year seven and it's just the most unbelievably beautiful faith. And it's getting better, actually, I would say. that. But every now and again, a child will put their hand up and they'll quote something that they've read in the newspaper or they've mm. heard somebody say. And immediately, we need to be able to have that dialogue and have that conversation, explain to the children that that is not correct. That's not, a, you know, it's not perception of Islam. The 99.9% .9 of Muslims, it's completely inaccurate. And if you think about the just the misinterpretation that some of these people who claim to be Muslim are sharing say oh I'm you know Muslim and when the students say and when they start to have this conversation they start to realize and they say miss we don't like the fact they refer to themselves as Islamic states they're clearly not Muslim and I say exactly and we can actually have that dialogue and the children go away and they're able to explain to their people at home and have conversations and tackle that and challenge Islamophobia as a result even at year seven level. So it should be all year groups. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you, you really hit the nail on the head there. And that's what I've been, been talking about as well. Is, it's just having that kind of open dialogue and that, that discussion and, and questioning. And I think sometimes uh, in schools or in settings with young people, you know, someone will say a view or say something and we're acting a way that will, you know, tear them down or, or, or tell them off or be like, no, you can't say that, da, 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 when actually they're not always trying to cause offence or, or be offensive. Like you say there, they have just read it. You know, they've seen it somewhere. And unfortunately, sometimes they'll see it on a, on a source or a trusted website or a social media platform that they, they think is, you know, truth. And, 
absolutely everything that comes up there is right, that then actually, you know, we've got to challenge it in a way that is a discussion rather than a telling off. I think it's kind of the way that I see it as well. Absolutely. I completely agree. I mean, that's so our role as teachers, isn't it? It's challenging those misconceptions, but in a way that it's not, you know, you are wrong. How can you possibly Mm. say that? It's saying, well, you've heard this and why do you think this is? And let's explore why this is wrong or why this is a misinterpretation or why this is something that's been miscommunicated or misread. And it's giving them that chance to learn make it a learning exercise rather than just shutting them down and going no you're completely wrong you know it's explaining to them and working with them and helping them develop and question more about the sources and it's developing their critical thinking and you know you've obviously taught these lessons you've given some examples there you know across the board and uh, for for a few years now so you know, what for you, has there ever been a moment or something that's worked really well in, in kind of your school or something that you'd say, actually, do you know what? We had this person in or we ran this lesson or we did this and this worked really well. Like, I, I know for me, it, it's worked so well sometimes bringing people in um, from a local community that, that look and sound like our students and they responded to them and, and actually understood them in a way that I would never be able to do because, I didn't grow up here. I didn't grow up in North London. I grew up in, you know, lovely southeast on the coast of England, you know, very different location, very different demographic and place and way of life that some of our other students have here. And so actually they responded more when we were talking about those topics to people that they see to look like them. And those discussions went really well and in a way that was very different um, than I could have imagined. So has there ever been a moment in a classroom or you know, you can be more generalised or, or home in on one particular moment that you kind of go, actually, that was a really special moment or that conversation that we had there was, was so important or whatever it might have been. Um, I love that idea. I was just listening to you say that and I'm thinking, gosh, that would be such a really good idea to have people come in um, from mm. different communities and talk. I mean, we're very lucky in the sense that um, we, in the last year or so, we've used the Global Acts of um, Unity um I guess resources but also their competition and mm-hmm. I loved the competition from last year it was called a unities and the students had to design a t-shirt that um sort of promoted unity and um kind of challenged um intolerance and extremism and the guy who runs it his brother um, his brother was murdered by extremists. So it's a really, really powerful story. Um, but rather than be angry and understandably so, of course, understandably he'd be angry um, and sort of, I don't know how to say it, but instead of responding with anger and hatred, he responded with, I'm going to challenge this. I'm going to challenge misconceptions. I'm going to encourage unity. I'm going to encourage learning and it's a beautiful absolutely beautiful idea and I think um the guy who started his name's Mike Haynes and he's really supportive um of schools and of young people and I was really impressed with him yeah I mean I'm, I'm just having it's the great thing of having a big mile for the computer I'm just having a look now I've, I've never heard of this um global unity now just looking up and, and uh, I just went on to the the unity's part of it and saw some of the winning t-shirt designs and I mean the winning t-shirt design is absolutely cracking it's like a of course there's crosswords not crosswords and it's like a crossword puzzle that's been put onto a t-shirt with kind of words of positivity you know joy diversity friends truth 
Um, and yeah, the story on here is 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 very um, powerful, like you say there. So that's mm. that's that's really great. Where did you, how did you come across this? Was it just like you found or? Do you know, it's one of those, you know what teachers' inboxes are like, you get bombarded with free resources and do this and do this and here's this competition and you end up just going junk, junk, junk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then this popped up and I was like, "Mm, I'll have a little read. And I was so, his story just really resonated because I remember hearing about it in the news and then just seeing where he's gone with it and what a like you say, such an incredibly strong, beautiful way of responding to such a tragic... I mean, I can't even begin to imagine what his family went through. And he goes into schools and he doesn't... He chooses to live as much as without hatred and anger and really promote this idea of unity and love. And I just... I loved it. I just thought it was such a strong story. And... and so I got my student, obviously last year it was a bit challenging with COVID. This mm. year I'd like them to get involved again and it'd be a bit more um, a bit more of a whole school thing. Um, but I got my compulsory religious studies students to get involved last year. And it was really nice for them to do something a bit different and a bit creative and a bit intangible and to really talk about these issues. So it went down really, really well. No, I mean, yeah, definitely. It sounds really, really great. Um, and kind of what are... You know, I always try and promote on lots of things because, uh, again, the best way we do get lots of emails as teachers and lots of recommendations online and things like that. But actually, sometimes it's nice hearing the places that people go to that generally have helped them. So when you're planning the resources and things around, you know, extremism or prevent or terrorism, what are some of the, the places that you might go to for those resources or for advice? I know that for me, um, and I've, we've had them previously on the show, you know, the PSHE Association have been a massive help at just helping me to pinpoint these kind of resources and signpost me to the right places. Um, but where have you gone or what do you often find yourself using? I absolutely agree. Um, the PSHC Association are incredible. Um, I think my really, the biggest um, recommendation I have is joining the teacher communities on social media like um Mm. the facebook and one of the main reasons i'm still on facebook is for the pshc uh, like um facebook teacher groups absolutely yeah they are so supportive if you if you see all the time somebody saying oh i'm i just need some advice or a resource or could somebody help me with this or wording of this and just people will everybody is helping each other everybody is so supportive and it's a wonderful community to be a part of and if you need that kind of support or advice or like I say even resources people are so kind they're willing to mm. say here's this resource I made this you might want to tweak it and I'll send it to you what's your email address and then inevitably about 50 other people go oh can I have it too yeah and these people are so <laughs> kind and they're like yeah, I've definitely absolutely. been one of those people <laughs> And it's wonderful, isn't it? I mean, it's. I mean, obviously, it's great to sort of share that as your CPD that you've gone out and you've helped all these different people mm. in different schools. And it's one of those where, from the other, from the recep, from the recipient's point of view, you've got somebody else supporting you. So it's quite like I think I've mentioned to you before. It's quite lonely being a PSHC lead because more often than not, you don't have a department, and those mm. communities are where you have that department and where you have that time to talk to like-minded people and share ideas and 
you know sometimes people say well actually that doesn't work but this does and you don't often have those conversations so reach out to other teachers would be my advice for other people absolutely and I mean so many times I've gone on there and I've you know gone oh gosh I've got an example was you know a few months back looking at um uh, FGM female gender mutilation I was looking at that and trying to find resources and ideas of, of how people have taught it in different ways and you know just searching that on one of those forums you get so I think I've got about six different um presentations to kind of look at so it's massively worthwhile doing but I guess you know do you feel that schools are doing enough or do you think we are letting people down I was reading at the very start of this show an article by the Guardian that talked about um UK schools must teach about 9-11 terrorist attacks says experts and it's about 9-11 20 years on and it was essentially saying that you know lots of people aren't doing it because there's not enough time and the schools aren't talking about terrorism or extremism enough and, and this and that and you know the lovely way that lots of these articles like to talk about schools because we obviously have lots of spare time uh, and <laughs> nothing else to do in our lives um but they were talking about actually you know the curriculum is quite restrictive and doesn't allow for it but in your experiences and you know, obviously, schooling, education and systems are massive, you know, literally thousands of schools. So in your personal view, in the way that you've done it in your school and what you've seen around others, do you think we're doing the right thing? Are we doing enough, particularly when it comes to talking about extremism, preventing terrorism? Or do you think we're doing a disservice almost to students? Oh, it's a difficult one. I mean, it's mm. so hard because, like you say, ultimately... I'd like to give more time to everything. Oh, I mean, yeah. FGM, as you've just mentioned, we have, you know, I, th I think it's mentioned in a couple of lessons and one standalone lesson. I feel we should demote, um, promote more time for that. I feel we should promote more time for basically every topic in PSHCE. I feel every week that the subjects are rushed, we don't have. But they're, they're again in the same space. I was talking to some of my year nine um, religious studies students yesterday. And we've just done a unit on racism. And I said to them, you know, I'm terribly sorry, but this is the last lesson. And they wanted to do more. And I said, I'm really sorry, but mm. we have to move on. And I think that's yeah. the trouble with these articles is I, yes, of course, it would be wonderful. And, you know, so amazing if we could donate and donate and um, give more time to mm. teaching about extremism and prevent and terrorism. Of course it would. But in the same breath, at the detriment of what, what would we, uh, so it's one of those where we are, we're so stretched as teachers to fit in all of these things. And of course we need to. And every time something changes in the news, they say, oh, well, it needs to, and um, we need more, yeah. more in the way of education about this, more in the way of education. That's how we'll change this as society. And I love that. And that's what I got into education for, was to be involved in these changes in society and, you know, help in some small, tiny way towards, bringing that education to young people and hopefully making these steps to people understanding in society learning more about things but in the same breath that as well as everything else as well as their GCSEs as well as their you know their mm. progress as well as everything else I mean we're very lucky in this school in the sense that we do have our form time where these discussions happen I think competitions like the unities give way to it being sort of beyond the classroom. And that's a really good way of sort of making these conversations something that they're discussing outside of the classroom. Um, I think obviously standalone lessons are very important, but I think the, 
the biggest tool, like I said at the beginning, is teachers being confident enough to talk about it as and when it comes up naturally. And you know what conversations are like and tangents happen in classrooms. And it's been able to obviously, um, you know, do it back on course as and when you need to. But if a student starts talking about things like this, to be able to address it in that sense, I mean, obviously that comes very naturally within the topics that I teach. But I think we've, I think, I hope, touch wood, that we've done it as best a service as we can here on from what I've seen in my time here. Um, but I think, I mean, obviously at the end of the day, it's always difficult for teachers to give the time to every topic that we'd like to. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you, you talk about there, you know, there is so much. And when students mention things and I'm, I'm the worst for it, and it's probably because being both a drama teacher and also a PSHE teacher, I love a conversation. I love a chat. So then we kind of, you end up going down this kind of tangent of things because they said something, you know, that, that is on topic, but it's just so interesting and important that you do want to have those conversations. And the resource I was reading out earlier around, um, from the PSHE Association, which was uh, entitled Discussing a Terrorist Attack with Children in a Primary Phase. You know, one of the things it says there as their practical tips is, to encourage questions and ask them honestly. And I think that is so important because I, always, I remember having a conversation with a class about PSHE and, and talking about why it's important and why we have it. Because, you know, a couple of them were in a class saying, but sir, this isn't assessed. I don't get a GCSE from this. Why am I doing it? And actually I said, but how often are you given a space and a chance to question, to ask why and to challenge your own views? Because everything else in lots of other subjects, not all subjects, but lots of other subjects is, this is the fact, this is the history, this is the date, kind of, right, remember. That's kind of what it is. So it is so important, as you said there, to have that space for discussions and questions. But as you also said, things are changing all the time. <laughs> How do you keep up with it? It's absolutely, I mean, I'm, I'm the same. I love a good, I love a chat. Um, I'm forever going right no we're, we're off on a time yeah. go back we've got to get back to this yeah. but oh just let me just finish this point though um, yeah uh, it's it is hard isn't it I mean the joy the joy and the curse of the the job that we do is that we are constantly having to be really on it and mm. you know are constantly watching the news I mean again these Facebook groups are fantastic because just having a watch of those and seeing somebody say, oh, has anyone read this article? Or has anyone just seen this news um, news bulletin or whatever? And this is changing and they're making these links. That really helps. And um, I, I guess the other thing that I really, really um, encourage is I am forever on Eventbrite. And mm. I'm forever, I mean, the joy of, I guess the post, I don't want to say post-COVID, but um, the era of Zoom is that I am always, yeah. um, at least once a week, on a Zoom conference, um, learning about different delivery and learning about different ideas and getting different training from different places, most of which are for free. Um, mm. And that's been really, really helpful of late, having that. So certainly with things changing as quickly as they are, having people sort of share how they're delivering it, and that's really useful. And I mean, us teachers, we love a freebie. If, if, it, if it's free, we are there. <laughs> Thinking to get a free tote bag of it as well is even better. Oh um, my gosh, or a CPD certificate. That always yeah, goes yeah, down. Yeah. Everybody always goes, oh, can I have a certificate? Exactly, just to tick it off. Uh, no, amazing. I can't believe it's, we've already been um, chatting away for 
for 25 minutes and, and we've come toward to the end of the show but just kind of final thing um question for me to you is kind of just to say a massive thank you and obviously um where can people kind of reach out to you if people um listen back and, and want to know more or kind of want to as you say find out about these uh, facebook groups or or connect with you and, and share ideas with you um where can people find you um, oh, it'd be absolutely lovely. And if anybody would love to connect, like I said before, I'd love that. I'd love to talk to like-minded people and discuss these topics. I think it's amazing. Um, I think the very best way would be on Twitter. Um, I'm at Miss Mail, M-A-I-L-E, and then just the number one at the end. And I'd absolutely love to chat to anyone um, about any ideas that they have. Um, anything to do with any of these topics would be wonderful. Amazing. Thank you so much. Well, as you say, we all do love a chat. <laughs> and that's it. Uh, well, enjoy the rest of your day. What's your day starting with? Oh, funnily enough, PSHCE. Uh, that's it. So um, I'm well, going to go around and make sure everybody's doing their job. Absolutely. I mean, my, mine too later on, we're talking about, I think, um, female um, sexual education, I think, is a topic today. So something nice and light Excellent. for a Wednesday. <laughs> have a so fantastic good. day and thank you so much Sarah for joining me once again thank you so much James I've really enjoyed it thank you all the best bye take care bye bye amazing so that was uh, Sarah everybody at PSHCE coordinator thank you so much Sarah for joining me and thank you everybody for joining me and listening um, don't forget you can listen back to all of today's show by going on to the Podbeam uh, live app or popping app even and searching for us there teachers talk radio or indeed going on to pod uh apple podcasts or spotify but you'll find us there this has been james over your wednesday morning breakfast show i will see you again next week where we'll have a brand new topic brand new guests and some brand new discussions but one thing won't change and that will of course be the wonderful upbeat summer party music that we have and the energy and positivity that i hope we bring to your wednesdays Thank you for listening. All the best and see you soon. Don't forget about the other shows on Teach Talk Radio happening throughout today and throughout the week. Goodbye now. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.